0: Have you ever wondered if you had the power to access your intuitive nature within?
1: No, because I can do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course you can do it. Maybe, maybe not everybody knows that they have access to that potential that exists mm-hmm. within.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this conversation is going to give you access to your own intuition and then understanding that you actually do have that ability and capability to really tap into that intuitive spirit and that intuitive center that can guide your life in so many different ways that sometimes we don't have access to when we're just operating through our mind.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had a conversation with an amazing guest. Her name is Katie Beecher, and she's written a book, uh, which is coming out in February, which you can, you know, listen to the podcast to learn more about that. And uh, I mean, it was such a great conversation because it was like, you know, when you get into the world of medical uh, intuitive um, readings and things like that. For some people, it sounds a little too woo, or they're not quite ready to hear this information. But I think she does an amazing job at demystifying some of the maybe complexity or you know the the inaccessible uh, information that seems to go along with um, you know this realm. And obviously, it's near and dear to us because we feel like uh, that's a big part of our own lives and how we help people. Um, But she's got a very unique message and uh, she's a lovely human.
1: Yeah, so have a listen and start tapping into that intuition because it really is there to serve you.
0: Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen.
1: We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers and retreat leaders.
0: We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible.
1: Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity to
0: relationships, parenting, meditation, and more.
1: Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come.
0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with my amazing wife, Dr. Sonia Jensen. How are you?
1: Good. We had a fun day on the ski hill yesterday. We did. Watching.
0: Watching. We were (laughs) bystanders watching our boys (laughs) play. Yeah. Which is fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, but there's something special about being outdoors Mm -hmm. and, you know, feeling connected to nature and and being in that space of just, uh, uh, ah, like we drove down the hill and magic was upon us, right? Yeah,
1: that's right. We had a view of uh, being above or rising above the fog. So that was quite the metaphor for just the times that we're in right now, too. Like, how do we rise above from the the Maya, the illusion, the the fogginess that kind of comes up in our brains and our lives? So yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. So on that note, we've got a very special guest uh, with us today. And I tell you what, whenever we get to talk about the inner workings of the mind and the heart and the psychology, In the intuition and and helping people to really wake up to their fullest realization potential through health and emotions and their spiritual body um that's exactly what we're gonna be Mm -hmm. chatting about today with this amazing guest katie beecher so i'm gonna introduce her just a little bit and then we're gonna jump into her story and uh, so here we go so she's a licensed professional counselor and a medical and emotional intuitive with over 30 years of experience So she is featured on Goop and I got to read this quote because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is obviously a big fan. So Katie Beecher is eerily accurate. Her readings have a heavy dose of spiritual insight, too, which goes straight to what's going on in your emotional life. And that's from Goop Lab. If you haven't seen it on on Netflix, you can catch Mm -hmm. that. So she's also been on uh, Kourtney Kardashian's website, Push. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Miranda Kerr's Core Organics blog taught at the omega institute uh she's i mean just got such an eclectic way of working with with clients and she's got an upcoming book and so if you're watching the recording you can see that just above her right shoulder it's called heal from within an intuitive guide to wellness so katie i mean there's a lot more to say about you but we just want to get into the the nitty gritty of who you are and what you're doing to to awaken and, and spread love in this world so Tell us a little bit about your your background and how you went from being a counselor to opening up to all this resource that that exists within you and every every individual.
2: Sure, um thank you so much for inviting me. It's nice to be here. Yeah, my background is definitely eclectic. Um I feel really fortunate to have the clinical training of being a licensed counselor, you know, as well as working as an intuitive and I pretty much work as an intuitive now, but therapy always comes into play, they kind of cross over. So, I've always had the ability to communicate with the other side to pick up people's energies. And, um, you know, I remember being three and just looking up at my parents and saying, the two of you are not equipped to raise me. Wow, <laughs> I'm kind of on my own here. A um, little bit of a dysfunctional family situation. Um, so most of the energy I picked up when I was young was pretty negative, And it was really scary. And it caused me to turn away from my intuitive abilities and my authentic self. But fortunately, and it may sound weird to some people that I say, fortunately, I developed an eating disorder um, from starting about age 12. And it was really bad. It was bulimia and I was suicidal. And I decided that either I was going to end my life or I was going to get better because I couldn't live that way. And I really feel like it was divine intervention because I didn't tell my parents. Um, I called our pediatrician, and said, "This is what I'm doing." And it was 1983, so there wasn't a lot of talk about eating disorders. But he referred me to a therapist with um, a Jungian background, Carl Jung. And Jung talks a lot about intuition and self love and and those kind of things. So it really fit with my personality and. So that was a good match because it helped me connect to my intuition and find self-love and learn more about my true self. And it didn't just focus on the behaviors. It was all about learning who I was. And part of that was um, accepting and understanding my intuitive abilities, psychic abilities, um, and coming to terms with them and not being afraid of them anymore. So even as a therapist, I've always worked really intuitively and it bunch of stuff happened but um one of the things was 12 years ago my mom got a flu shot and became paralyzed for 10 years and then died and it really taught me a lot just about pharmaceutical companies and toxins and things we put in our bodies and also the the spiritual and emotional link to getting sick because she had been in a bad marriage for 45 years which she didn't have the courage to get out of so it just really Taught me a lot and um, made me realize that doing therapy wasn't deep enough. So it it caused me to explore things like medical intuition that I knew nothing about. And then I discovered I had this pretty cool ability. And um, you know that's really my life purpose at this point.
1: I love that story. And our paths are quite parallel. Um, I have a similar story of around age thirteen having an eating disorder and wanting to take my life and it was divine intervention it really just was a moment of this like pure trust and knowing that I'm here for a reason and that changed my whole relationship to myself and the world and I was just watching the world from a very different lens after that moment and same thing with working with women and the things that we're doing just really finding that interconnection between our spirituality and our emotions and our physical body and how everything is just so woven together. Um, So I love that you brought all of that up because that's such a powerful thing for all of us to understand. And do you think that we are born with that intuitive center? And like, I mean, I know I have my perception on that, but I'd love to hear your perception on just, you know, when children are born into the world, do you really feel like we are born with that um, intuition and that knowing and that like, really able to listen to that soul essence and how does that maybe leave um, after we are born or like what influences if that's even there? I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit.
2: Sure, Um, I would love to. And I'm about the least woo-woo intuitive you will meet. Um, I really do believe we all have this, you know, the intuition and the innate abilities and even just being a medical intuitive, when you have symptoms or when you're kids, you know, has symptoms, you kind of know right away. Um, do I need to rest? Or do I need to take something? Or do I need to go to the doctor? Or you're kind of making medical decisions all the time. And so that's using medical intuition. It doesn't have to be this big, huge rule woo thing. And I know, just from my own experience, I work with adults and kids. And I think that kids are more open to receiving messages from the other side, because As we get, or like for me, there was nobody I could talk to about any of what I was experiencing. I didn't feel comfortable and just, it just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't possible um, until I got into therapy. So um, I think that kids are unfortunately taught to think like other people and to trust other people and they're not really listened to especially if there's a dysfunctional environment, because you can't tell the truth about what you're seeing and feeling. And so you have to push everything about yourself down, you know, including your intuition. So I think we unlearn it because of other people's fears and beliefs and being around people who don't trust their intuition. Um, And I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but so many of the people that I work with, because they have emotional or physical illness, it forces them to change and it forces them not only into self-care, but also into examining their spirituality and their relationship with themselves. And it's because maybe they didn't have a lot of luck finding help for what they have or what they weren't listened to or you know, they, they attack maybe the physical stuff, but the symptoms are still there that they really had to go deeper and look at all of the root causes and what was going on emotionally and spiritually. So I really do feel like so many of the struggles that happen to us are, are really like intuition, giving us signals that we have to pay attention and change. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, sometimes hearing stories like that, um, you know, I imagine just the, the, just an incredible amount of people that have gone through something somewhat similar you know sonia you know mirrored your story as well and um a lot of people don't want to look there right and a lot of people don't want to go back and you know relive their trauma and they kind of want to put it you know somewhere over there um how important do you feel it is for people to you know appreciate understand or maybe witness their story again uh maybe they don't have to dig into the the most painful parts right away but what what do you think about that? Like, do you think people absolutely do need to go back and, and do some healing with their early childhood trauma?
2: So answering as a therapist and as an intuitive, um, I think it's really important for people to identify and consider all of the root causes for every experience that we've had. And I don't have to tell you, um, Every trauma, every relationship, every good and difficult experience, you know, impacts who we are. So the most important thing to me is that they recognize everything and see how it could have contributed. And I don't know that it's important necessarily to relive. Um, in some cases, it's important, but a lot of the times, it's more important to recognize how those experiences has impacted you. You know, like. What coping strategies may you have developed such as being really empathic or putting a wall up or having trouble with boundaries or um, being a people pleaser or any number of things, you know, what are those coping strategies that may have served you at the time of the trauma or difficult relationship that you've taken with you and now are contributing to the physical and emotional difficulties?
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I love that answer I mean because I think that often that story becomes who we are you know Mm -hmm. and, and because we compartmentalize it maybe or we have identified it in a certain way and then life is just the way it is as a result of that and I think that you know, just like, we, I mean, we were talking about this earlier with certain patients uh, that we see and work with that are so deeply ingrained and in identifying with their illness that they're not really willing to step outside of what life could be outside of that reality. I'd love to hear you comment on that a little bit more, just in that realm of, you know, especially in the, in the counseling world that you're in. I mean, everything is about the DSM four or five or whatever number we're on now and, and creating a criteria for this is who you are we're this is the world we're in though like we 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 love diagnoses but labeling yeah labeling mm-hmm. please if you could speak to that a little bit it's that'd be crazy. so
2: true um for instance when I found out that I had Lyme disease which I probably had my whole life it wasn't diagnosed in my 40s um of course it's scary but I decided I was not going to label Lyme being my like there was no my symptoms there was no my Lyme there was no like I took it seriously, but I wasn't going to identify with it because I'm not Lyme disease Mm -hmm. and being sick in any way, it really, so for some people, as an example, it gives you an excuse to say, no, if you don't have the courage to tell people you don't want to do something, or I can't go to this, or I don't want to spend time with you and your family on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. So, it gives you an excuse to get out of things and to use your voice. And people think that, or also for some people, they don't get attention from the people they care about at all. And so, and I'm not saying that we cause our illnesses to get attention, um, but for some people, like that's how people started paying attention to them because they realized, yeah, this person really is sick and they need help. So, there's a lot of, a lot of motivation sometimes for identifying with illness and remaining in a bad state. Um, you don't have to take the risk of pissing people off or disappointing them or changing or whatever. So I think that that's a lot of why I work with people about being authentic and finding self-love, like separate from whatever the hell diagnosis they have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of investment in not feeling well, and it's really sad, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the importance that we've put on that. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, and I see it all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think we're really a culture of um, being comfortable with suffering. And when somebody is suffering, we can relate to it. And that's when we can like empathize, we can have compassion and all these things. So it does give an individual that green light to, do what really needs to be done for themselves without like you said having the courage to actually say no and then ha- be fearful of being you know um shunted out of a tribe or not belonging and not feel like they're fitting in and not surviving their moments. So everything's being driven by that subconscious fear that they're probably not even aware of. Totally. And yeah. And so I'd love for you to like, maybe even um, identify that for our listeners too, like that subconscious and conscious, because we talk about that all the time, that the body and the brain is doing whatever it needs to, to help you survive. And we picked up these um, habits and these awarenesses as we were growing up, in order for us to survive, like you were speaking to before, whether it's becoming the empath or the people pleaser, that fight or flight is kind of driving everything. So if you can maybe um, bring some awareness to that subconscious patterning versus conscious patterning, and if that's something that you speak to with your clients.
2: Absolutely. Um, and it's a huge part of Jungian psychology too, which I, I draw from a lot. Um, it saved my life, you know, so it, it really means a lot to me and I think it makes sense. Um, He talked a lot about the shadow self and the shadow is where we put our fears and our shame and things we don't want to show the world. And we think it stays hidden there. It doesn't. Um, We think we can hide who we really are. And it's, it's just not possible because our real self does come through no matter how hard we try to control it and control is really about fear. So, I think that, well, again, this is Jungian stuff, but the more you try to push things down and keep them hidden, the more powerful they become. And you become so invested in that fear and in keeping your true self hidden that you don't get to be your true self. And, um, and it's really true. A lot of times we really don't let ourselves go to the unconscious world. Um, And I think the more trauma you've been through, the less you allow that. But we think that people aren't going to care about us, aren't going to love us anymore if we have a real voice or if we um, are true to ourselves. And But the problem is, if we're not, that's how we get sicker. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to work with people that you trust and you can relate to to help you discover what's in that shadow or what you're afraid to show to the world. Or um, like, I'll give you an example. When I was in therapy, the only person, you know, this is the first time I talked to anybody, opened up to anybody. I was terrified. And my therapist said one day to me, you're being really narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like dagger through my heart. That's the Mm -hmm. last thing I wanted to be because I was surrounded by those people. And then she told me this story of Narcissus, who couldn't stop looking at his reflection in the water and died. And she said, you inherently are not a narcissistic person. However, the nature of eating disorders and the nature of depression are very narcissistic because all you're thinking about is what you look like, what you're eating, are people going to see you eating? What are they gonna think of you? What's the number on the scale? And it's all about you, 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 you. So I had a couple of revelations from that. One was, oh shit, she's right, okay, cool. But, and I was like, okay, that got brought out from my shadow into the light now so I can address it. And it's something I can work on more objectively rather than from a shame point of view. Um, But it was also like, I, if I can address that and accept that about myself um, and still love and accept myself, like maybe I'm not such a horrible person and what else can I then look at and address that I had been trying to hide?
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think the key word you said there was observer right the more we become the observer of our actions and these habits and these characteristics that we've had to bring into our psyche the easier it is to just see ourselves rather than caught up get caught up in the emotion yeah that brings up yeah so I love that
0: yeah I, I love that you brought in that narcissistic aspect because I think we can all you know own little bits and pieces of that about ourselves and do you think that there's like what's the survival mechanism there? Because there must be some role for narcissistic narcissistic behavior to show up. And it, and it's a stepping stone, no doubt. But um, I'd love to hear sort of like how that unfolds for people. Because I mean, most people, like especially in the world that we're in right now, with there's tremendous amount of fear. Of course, there's a lot of self-worry. You know, there's worry about others for sure too, but we we really are faced with our own. You know, maybe your limitations or your own mortality. Um, there's narcissism in that. So, what's healthy narcissism? Uh, well, I don't know why I'm having a tough time with that word today, but <laughs> Is there a healthy level for it? And is there an application for it? And like, when does it become a problem?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it went back to not feeling like I had a support system and not feeling like people were paying attention and knowing if I went to therapy, no one was going to come with me. You know, no one cared. In fact, when i finally did tell my parents what i was doing my father's response was well it's not working you're still fat well thanks dude cuz you you know were the cause of most of this stuff um so it you know it was like i had to go inward and i had to take care of me and forget what i needed so it was kind of natural that my world became all about me um, and so i think there's a difference between like self-love and self-care and narcissism. And to me, narcissism is only, I mean, obviously the DSM three version, Um, but you know, it's not caring about others at all and just everything being about you. And when you are in the throes of depression and an eating disorder, that's where you're at. Um, So I think I would love it if people could be, more comfortable with self-love and self-care. And even what we teach our kids, you know, I remember being a little girl and saying something like, oh, my dress is pretty or something. And then all these little girls were like, no, you're conceited. Well, Mm -hmm. so then you you learn just to shut up and not say anything good about yourself. And, you know, I think there's just obviously a million things in our culture that need to change, but I think we need to like normalize and celebrate self-love and self-care and teach people that, you can still care about others and take care of you.
0: I love that reframe. Like that's that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to speak to is is it's just understanding there's a certain component that you know we tip over the edge where we're really just so overly concerned about ourselves what other people think of us and that's not self-love and you're you're obviously creating a distinction between the two which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd I'd love to get into the book. Tell us like, what's your, like, what's the reason for the book? Like, what's your core message that you really want people to grasp if, if you could sort of share yeah. some of that? And obviously we want to want people to read the book, but yeah, you know, what, was, what was the driving force?
2: Um, so when I was 16 recovering, I heard two things from my guides. One was with connection to intuition, self-love and self-acceptance, you can heal from anything. And that has stuck with me. And they told me I would be writing a book and sharing this message with millions of people. And, you know, I'm 56, and it only took me 40 years to do that. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, better late than ever. Um, but all of this time, you know, I've kind of been um, developing how I work, which is really unique. And I'll explain that because it relates to the book. Um, people contact me through my website, I get a name and an age. And the less information I have, the better. And I tap into my guides and create a four page report. It's really, really detailed um, about every single thing going on in their lives, physical, emotional, spiritual, um, currently and in the past. And try to think about, you know, root causes, strengths, weaknesses, stuff they want to work on, um, relationships. And I also create these intuitive soul paintings. And wow. I think I have.
0: Somebody's like, send me up. I
2: right? Um, So this is just one example, um, but they're all super different. Like they're animals and plants and whatever. Um, So it's a symbolic way of receiving information as well. And it's kind of fun. So I send that, the report and the painting to people before we meet. And then during the meeting, we talk about all sorts of things. Um, I get more information from my guides and kind of go from there. So my husband calls my book, um, Katie Beecher, The Home Game. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) It's my husband's. Um, It's tells a little bit about my backstory. um, Teach people how to connect to their intuition and self love, and takes people through how I do um, and a spiritual emotional. Sorry, medical intuitive reading um, using a lot of the same tools that I use. Showing my template that I use during my readings, helping them to identify their issues, their strengths. Look at the root causes for what's going on, Um, really importantly, put the whole picture together. So, you know, you may come to me for, um, I don't know, acid reflux or something, and showing them that, like, there's all these other things that are going on at the same time that are contributing. And so it's, it's not a substitute for an individual reading, but it's really the next best thing to taking yourself through what I do. There's a lot of, quizzes and um, tools and, you know, all sorts of things. And then um, also hints from my guides about helping to heal. Mm, I love that. And a lot of Jungian yeah. psychology. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. And what I, I'd love to hear um, some of the tools that you give individuals that they can start incorporating. Like, is, are there things that people can start doing just in their daily life to kind of tap into their intuition and start really listening?
2: Absolutely. So there's a lot of ways to connect to intuition. And I cannot take credit for this. I wish I could. But the Jungian definition of intuition is God within. And what he meant was this all knowing force that is part of everyone. Um, It's a source of unconditional love and acceptance. It's kind of like this perfect bodyguard or parent. And it's always with you, keeping you safe. You know, it helps you make decisions. You're not alone anymore. Um, so it's kind of this, it's more than just like the psychic thing. Um, it's something that you have with you all the time. And my favorite technique for connecting, and this is all in the book, is to write out a question or your feelings and direct it to your intuition. For some people, their intuition could mean like someone's who, someone who has passed that they're close to, or it could mean nature or it could mean God or you know whatever. Um, but direct the information to your intuition and then see what you hear, feel, um, see, whatever, in response to what you wrote and write that down mm-hmm. and then write back to it. And then see what you get again, write that down, write back to it. So you're having a written conversation. With your intuition. And there's a bunch of things that I have found really important about that. Like that technique saved my life. Um, When we try to listen to things in our heads, it's all like, what am I gonna have for dinner? And what are my kids doing? And what, you know? So when you write, you have to stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And just that helps it be a mindfulness meditation. And something that, you know, as you're writing, you're using your body, so you have that kinesthetic activity. So it not only helps you focus on what you're reading and getting, but you connect to your body too. And um, you can also, you know, use that same technique to connect to body parts and talk to symptoms. I talked to my eating disorder when I was recovering. Um, Talk to people who have passed. Um, There's so much you can do with it, but it's, it's so powerful. And it's, you know, I still do it. This is how I talk to my gods. This is, um, so that's really my my favorite way. Um, you can do it for five minutes. You know, you can do it for longer. Sometimes I just say, do you have anything to tell me? Um, sometimes I ask a question. Sometimes I just start writing because, you know, sometimes you're not really sure what's on your mind, but something's there. And I just, you know, ask for some feedback, um, but that's really that's a really important one for me that anybody could do. Like you don't have have any gifts to just do that.
1: Yeah, I love that. So how do you, um, I think you kind of answered this in your answer already, but how do you, how does somebody discern between mm-hmm. intuition and especially if you're just kind of going about your day and having these questions and these conversations with yourself between the intuition and between your mind that's maybe trying to protect you or tell you a story or validate maybe an old
2: belief that you have? That's an awesome question. Um, so one of the obstacles to listening and connecting, there's, there's a bunch, but one is people overthink the process. And it's like, well, is that just my voice? You know, why am aren't I, why aren't I seeing angels? Why aren't fireworks going off? Why does this just sound like my voice? Like, is this real? Is this fear? Is this whatever? And I'll address fear versus intuition first. Um, For me, when you are feeling fear, it makes you more fearful. It brings up more anxiety. But for intuition, even if you're hearing something that's a little scary for you, like it's telling you to do something that you're afraid of, it's settling. You know, you kind of feel like, okay, I can relax a little more. I have some sort of connection. It's okay. Um, What I tell people in terms of the other stuff, like, is it just me? I encourage them to just be open to what they're hearing and what they're feeling. And if it feels good, if it resonates, you know, if it's, if it's loving positive information, who cares where it comes from? You know, just be open to it. And the more you do it, the more you will get used to what that intuitive voice sounds like and feels like um, you may feel it in your body too. You know, sometimes I do just feel like it's my own voice and that's fine. Sometimes I feel like it's coming from, I don't know, somewhere else, um, but it's all okay. And just to be open to what you're hearing rather than overanalyzing it or being afraid of it, you know, it's, that's a good place to start. Like when I first started, I didn't know who I was. I had no self-love, I had no nothing. So I just was like, I thought of it as God. And like, well, God is my source. It must love me and think I'm okay, um, kind of like a dog. Um, you know, it doesn't care what I wear, what I look like. Um, so I'm just going to kind of let this thing send me loving messages. And then eventually I, you know, um, learned that they were coming from me too. And I, you know, was able to expand that into my own, my own psyche, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really a practice of self-awareness, right? You know? And and I think when people hear this, maybe for the first time, maybe maybe they've done some version of journaling before, or you know, question asking, and then like really searching for those answers. Um, but it's really it's like and it's consistency. I mean, you've been doing this for years, and you've had you've this amazing scaffolding of counseling and Jungian therapy to really sort of. Catch and receive and and send messages into, uh, which really helps I think to open up open someone up to you know more than maybe that subconscious history or you know their guides or God whatever it is that that person how they relate and connect to the source, whatever that means to that individual of course. Yeah. So, so I think it's a really that's a that's a powerful practice. I mean when you're doing that kinesthetic work with the writing you're seeing you're probably saying it to yourself inside right. your head or maybe out out loud. So you're getting all these like interfaces of communication, which I think is, it's powerful. I mean, when Sonia and I do, um, uh, whether retreats or mastermind courses that we were a part of or what have you, it's, you know, there's this self-reflection process that happens with journaling and writing things down that really gets you to access stuff that you just wouldn't like, you know, we, we live our lives, going to work, doing the things, we, we don't tap into this on a regular basis, you know? And so you're inviting people into this experience, which is just so and important. Even,
2: like people ask a lot, um, I want to do this work or I want to listen to my intuition or whatever, and it's scary. And they doubt that they're intuitive, but I honestly can say that before starting every reading, I get a little nervous, even though I've done thousands of these, because my work is really important to me. I really care about, you know, the people that I'm dealing with. Um, I want to do a good job. I want to get it right. A little perfectionism in there, but you know, um, but you know, it's like, it's important. And so I do get a little nervous and I never want to become cocky or take that for granted, you know, cause I can always learn, I can always do better. And if, if I'm trying to do it when I'm anxious or when I'm not in a good place, then I'm not going to get, you know, information that's as clear, um, But sometimes when I'm filling out the report, I feel connected to the person, sometimes I don't, but I've just learned to listen and allow it and um, pretty darn accurate.
1: Yeah, I think in that discerning that you're um, speaking to too, it's that emotion piece that I have found even within myself. So I had a huge hit of this. I've been kind of tapping into my intuition for a long time as well, like since I was a child. But when uh, we were in Italy just a few years ago and walking through Florence, there was this like real hit, like I call them little hits and this voice that was very like firm, zero emotion. And I was looking at my older son and it said, you're going to lose him today.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: my mother fear then showed up. It was like, what are you saying? No, we're not. He's fine. And sure enough, within the next five minutes, he was gone and we lost him and we found him after, but just those, however many minutes that went by and I just was so upset with myself for not listening to that voice that I knew was my intuition and was telling me just, hey, maybe hold his hand or like make sure you're watching him and not getting distracted. And so like how many of us, you know, walk through life with that voice that comes in often to tell us what the path is, but we ignore it because of fear or because of emotions or because of society and the way we're supposed to be. So we don't listen and we just kind of stay on that safe path. But then to find that really the other path Was the one that was meant for us?
2: All the time, all the time. You know, I'm with my mom's thing, her and I actually talked about it. And I realized that it was a chemical reaction, an autoimmune reaction, and all, but also becoming paralyzed and removing herself from my father um, for a lot of reasons. She didn't have the courage to do it herself. And, you know, she had filed for divorce before, never went through with it. just, you know, a lot of stuff there. He was very manipulative and, and could be charismatic, very narcissistic and lots of issues. But um, we both recognized that that reaction was the only way she could get rid of him. And unfortunately it was too late because she, you know, died and had no life. She was in a hospital for the rest of her life. But um, that was a huge part of what happened to her.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really difficult, I think, for people to really, you know, spend some time and look at that. But yeah, I mean, as you're saying it, you know, and we obviously we get to hear a lot of stories from different patients going through things and you kind of sit back and go, well, you kind of got exactly what, what you wanted. It just didn't come out the way that, you know, you wanted right. it to, obviously, right? And that's painful for, mm-hmm. for all of us, you know, exactly. especially when you have, you know, I mean, you doing the work that you're doing and seeing your mom go through all this experience, having that history, um, you know, so how, how did you sit with that with her? Like, did you guys, did you reflect on that with her? Like, how, how was I that? Did.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was tough because before she got sick, a lot of people tried to talk to her about how unhappy she was and in, in the marriage and she just couldn't receive it. Um, we really weren't able to have honest conversations where I could be my blunt self. Um, you know, she got mad at me or, you know, retreated or all sorts of things. Um, and after she got sick, I became a sole caretaker for a while, which, you know, throw that in with a dysfunctional family situation and nothing good happens. Um, but, you know, she was able to say yeah, I really wasn't happy and I wish I had done things differently. I wish I had chose you kids over your father. You know, I wish that I hadn't been so selfish. I wish all kinds of things, but, um, I tried everything I could to help her recover. But even in that state, she was still attached to my father, you know, and he, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff there, but it's just the bond of fear and shame was so great. And I learned that the only reason that she got married was because she became pregnant with me Mm -hmm. and it was 1965. And when she, she hadn't told no one, like absolutely no one. And I was sitting with her at the hospital one day. And I think I asked her like how she met him or something. And she told me this whole story. And I was like, what? Like you never told me. And she could barely get the words out about Uh getting pregnant. You know, um, and her her parents are what saved me. You know, they're awesome people, but she could barely get the words out. She was still so ashamed. And I think it was that shame that, you know, kind of kept her from having a voice and allowing her to be her true self. And that um, it was incredibly powerful, made lot things make sense in my life, um, you know. Um, I wasn't premature yeah. <laughs> like I had been told
1: right but, you so know folding and unraveling that happens in just that one moment
2: yeah but shame is powerful mm-hmm. and really yeah. keeps a lot of people in a disease state
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I think it really does go back to the the old stories and the belief that we've been told of how we're supposed to be right and when we're stuck in those stories that's where shame lives because now we've identified ourselves with a certain way of being. And when right. we're not being that way, again, we're either gonna get kicked out of our tribe and we're not gonna survive. So we have to fit in that box and that mold. And when we don't, that's where the shame stories start to show up. And I think the work that you're doing is so powerful because the only thing that brings us out of that shame story is self-love. Right. It can't be from the outside world because exactly. it's the outside world that created that original story that now became internal. So really to unleash that is to bring back that acceptance of self.
2: I fully believe that. And when your self-love and self-worth comes from inside, it's not as important what other people think about you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And yet that's like one of the most difficult things for people to let go of, right? I mean, that, that attachment to belonging and I know concern what other people think is so heavy on so many people's hearts.
1: Well, yeah. I think it starts at a young age because children, all they want to do is please who's ever taking care of them. And when they're not receiving that, it's like they're learning how to be then in mm. their world. So if we start, I feel if we start at a young age of really putting that in them, that it's their opinions matter, that they matter, their voice matters, that they're being seen. I think we could have a very different world and different leaders and
2: everything would shift. Oh, I Imagine know if we were all Brought up that way, hmm. true, and also just if you can accept yourself and your uniqueness, then it's much easier to accept other people and their uniqueness, and you're not looking at what color they are or what religion they are or any what party they are politically, or we're just all people. Yeah, that's hmm. right. Humans having a human experience right,
1: totally.
0: yeah. Katie, I'm so curious. so you get a you get a name, you get a birthday. No, age. Age. It's Just age and a name. Take it from there. Tell us a little bit about your experience. You get that detail and yeah. what happens next? What happens um, next?
2: So if I could tell you how I did it, um, I'd be really, really, really well. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I start by drawing an Oracle card, um, usually from this deck. Mm. Doesn't matter. Just to get myself out of my own head. Because like I said, I do have that. Bit of anxiety and I'm just like okay stop just like you know um so I draw an Oracle card and I kind of use the message in that card to just get me started a little bit on a direction and I have this blank template in front of me like get it if I don't knock everything down all right cool so I have this I will not knock down everything um all right so starts with where it says seventh chakra mm-hmm. and its physical and emotional characteristics. And then I have this, that's my blank template. Cool. That I send to people. So that helps explain to them what the chakras stand for, what body parts, what, what they mean. Um, and I just ask my guides to give me the information I need. Um, I usually start by seeing some concept of them as a whole. And that's why I start with the seventh chakra because it is about the whole person, excuse me. And um, try to get a feel for, is there an overall reason why they've contacted me or several? And some people are sick or you know, have issues going on. Some people just want to know more about their life purpose or connecting to intuition or their relationships. And the fun part about what I do is they get everything. They don't just get one thing. It's like this is your whole life. Um, so I just open up and start filling in those boxes, which with whatever information relates to that shock or those those body parts, those emotional characteristics. Um, and I have learned just to write things down and not to judge. A quick example is I was doing a reading for a twelve-year-old girl, and I heard teeth enamel. Um, my human person was like oh, she must have a lot of cavities. Mm. If I had written that down from my human person, I would have been wrong because um, when I talked to her mom, her mom's like, yeah, she is extraordinarily strong teeth enamel and she's never had a cavity. Mm. So my guides were right. If I try to interfere with that, I screw it up, but I just start writing. um, Sometimes they show me the inside of a person's body. A lot of time I get that. I will get visuals of what they might look like, or I'll get words in my head or um, oftentimes their loved ones in spirit come through. So I'll pick up like a family history thing, or um, it often comes through in the fourth chakra, which is the heart chakra. That's when the people from um, who have passed often come through, which I always think is interesting. Um, But, you know, I'll get something like heart disease or, um, I'm very careful not to diagnose, that's super important because it's illegal and unethical. There are people who do my sort of work who do that and I, that's just not okay for so many reasons. Um, so I will like identify symptoms or say something like this or whatever and they can verify those symptoms. Um, but you know, if there's physical stuff going on that we need more help with, I have physicians that I've worked with for a long time that I refer to who can work long distance, um, you know, and help do diagnosing or confirm what I got or or whatever, but um, it's very much a, a team process, but we just kind of look at everything and they they say, yeah, that's what's going on, or I'm not sure I understand that or, um, or whatever. And then we just explore different ways that they can go about addressing things. Um, and uh, we can get a lot done in an hour. You know, people have said, hour with you is like a year of therapy Mm. which is which is kind of cool because I already know stuff about them so they don't have to tell me their whole life story because I'm kind of telling them um and sometimes it's things they've never told anyone so we could make a lot of headway and then oftentimes you know we'll we'll have future appointments not always um some people need and some don't but that's kind of my crazy process yeah Mm. I
1: love it Yeah, it's so great because it really does bring people out of their logical mind when you're doing that kind of work and really into that heart space. And that I think is where the healing has to happen, right? And that then that ripples or trickles into all other parts of ourselves—the physical, the emotional, the the everything. When you're speaking from that heart space
2: and people say they people say they feel very seen and heard. Mm -hmm. You know, just when they first get the report, I hear that a lot. I just I feel like you already know me. Yeah. And I think that's very disarming in, in a great way. Yeah.
0: Well, there's so much value in knowing, you know, these sort of broader stroke, but also intricate details about our personality, you know, and, and maybe a life purpose that we are having difficulty accessing. Like, you know, I, I think, of, think back of the many times where I got a chance to work with an intuitive or someone who's able to really understand more of the emotional, spiritual journey it's, it's really helpful information. I mean, it really like to your point of like the physical symptoms or some of these other things that are going on, it helps to put things in perspectives when you can see where your strengths are and, and really apply yourself in those areas. So, I mean, huge amount of value that again, you're not going to get through, you know, going to your typical run-of-the-mill doctor right it's right and there's a role for that too but you know right. seeing these bigger pictures and these intricate details about our psychology and emotional body and spirit very very important for sure mm.
2: some people don't want to hear it yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> they exactly. come to you for yeah. i just want to know what supplements to take just tell me what i need right. to do like what vitamins am i deficient and i'm like well yeah but you know how your marriage sucks Oh, yeah. uh-huh. right. Gotta work on that too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that. So, our final question for you um, If you knew that today or tomorrow was your last day here on earth, what is the message that you would like to leave, or what
2: imprint do you want to leave on the earth? Wow. Yeah. Um, that we're really here to love ourselves and love others. And that's the basis for all kinds of help you know just don't be afraid to be yourself
1: i love that
0: love it thank you i love that and your tie-dye shirt matches your book perfectly. right yes. i know yeah. <laughs> I totally
1: looking at that
0: <laughs> our kids are so into tie-dye right they now so. and
1: i love that because we were when we were young yeah, so, it's, yeah. so fun isn't it do you get so to like fun. tie-dye
2: shirts with them and stuff we
1: have a little kit i'm waiting for excellent yeah. yeah so we can do that outside part with <laughs> <of> kids
2: <laughs> is great that's right yeah
0: Katie thank you so much is there is there any uh last little bits of word? oh we well we want to find out where we can access the book February yeah 15th. Yeah, yeah yeah tell us where that's so. um
2: so everything kind of goes through my website it's katiebeacher.com um b-e-e not b-e-a b-e-e-c-h-r um you can there's a link to my book there's um you can book readings through there um you can read all kinds of like interviews and press articles and read the goop stuff and you know kind of everything goes from there um i'm on instagram and i like talking to people on there too and and facebook and um and all that so yeah that's kind of the, the central hub we'll put that in
1: the show yeah.
2: thank you so much katie oh thank you Thanks. this was great so much Fun chatting yeah it's so nice meeting both of you